Dear Jesus, thank you that we can be here tonight, and I pray that you would help Dan as he's um, sending his message. Thank you that we can have this many people here tonight, and I pray that you would just use us this week in our schools and at home to just be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of what? Y'all are tired this week. You, we're tired. Could everybody stand up for a second? Raise your hands up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Sit back down. All right, that's good. So uh, uh, that's all I wanted. We're, we're in, in the book of what? Acts. Acts. We are in the, and it was written by? Who was a doctor. doctor. Wasn't a disciple. He was a doc, doctor. And he also wrote the book of Luke. John. Um, how old was Luke when he, when he died? Old. Old. That's always a good guess. Actually, Luke was old, uh, and how did he die? He was not a martyr, what tradition says. He died of old age at the age of 84. Just an interesting fun fact with Luke. You know, the, the truth is, we've been in the book of Acts, which was written by... We've been in this book since August 14th of last year. And we ain't finished yet, you know what I'm saying? We've been in it for a while. So, um, do you know an, another fun fact... Um, who, Luke wrote 28% of the New Testament, okay, that second half of the Word of God that you have, Luke Luke wrote 28% of it. Do you know who wrote more than 28% of the New Testament? Nobody. Luke wrote the most, uh, he comprises, his his two books comprise uh, more than Paul or more than John. Uh, he he comprises. He's like he's the winner. He's the long-winded writer. He writes. He writes. Explains in detail a lot of stuff. So when you ask that, hey, you know who who wrote the most most of you know the biggest amount of New Testament? It's Luke. But not very important, right? But hey, it's it's good to know. Background. Now we were talking about some weird stories this past week. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, uh, the weird stories, one was uh, from five weeks, six weeks back, was the seven sons of Sceva who didn't know, know God, didn't know Jesus. They tried to use his name, and they got beat to a pulp, beaten so bad that they ran out of the house naked. Now, if you run out of the house that way, you're beat. I mean, you are plum beat. Now, the next story we talked about this past week was a guy named who? Y'all remember his name? Or what did he do? What's he, he, that's right, he fell asleep in Paul's sermon and fell out of a windowsill three stories down and died. So we learned last week, if you fall asleep in church, God is going to kill you. That's what we learned. So hey, pay attention in church. No, but the truth is what we talked about is, is Paul, Paul preached, it says all day, and it says he prolonged it and preached through the night till midnight. The, the poor kid dies. He brings them back to life. As soon as he brings them, Paul goes up, gets some more food, and he speaks again till daybreak. So what, what did we learn of that? Uh, I think I was conv- convicted on sometimes I, I, I can zone out of the Word of God in like five minutes or ten. And these, these disciples and believers were thirsting after God, God's Word where, where they heard it all night up until daybreak. And man, we just need to wake up, right? We need to come to church ready to hear God speak because I think God is always 
trying to speak to us. The question is, are we trying to hear what he has to say, right? Yep. Okay, so then Paul is going to leave these, these folks uh, who he loves dearly, and we're not going to be in this text, but it's in, in Acts, 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 Acts 20. He tells the, the church at Ephesus, he says, I'm going to leave you, and I will never see your face again. Okay, so it's, and so they're crushed, and, and he says, as I leave, let me warn you, there are wolves that are going to come in as soon as I leave and try to attack the church. And the wolves aren't just outside the church, but there's some wolves inside the church. And I think that's very, some very good truth that we need to be aware of. Sometimes the greatest attacks may come from inside the church. It's a sad thing, but it's a true thing. The church is made of broken people. So Paul warns them of this, that they weep not because of what might become of the church, but they weep because they know this is the last time they'll ever see Paul's face and he will ever see their face. And they love him dearly because he has, he has brought them to where they are in their faith. And they, they're like, he is, he is their father in a lot of ways. And now he's going to leave them for good. So, so he leaves them in the end of chapter 20. Verse, uh, in chapter 21, we see some of the, the towns he goes through because he's trying to get to one main town. What town is he trying to get to? Do you all remember? Starts with a J, ends, up, ends with Jerusalem. Jerusalem, very good. Y'all are scholars. Y'all are scholars, I, I tell you. So th- th- this is where we are in the text. Look here in, in chapter uh, 21, verse 7. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look on the screen. I think we've got the, the words on the screen. And this is what it says in verse 7. It says this. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we greeted the, the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evan, evan, Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with them. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Does anybody remember Philip? Back in Acts chapter 8, was all about Philip. And one thing that Philip was, it says that he was one of the seven. Now, Stephen was also one of the, of the, of the seven that were, were, were picked out to, to go and minister the gospel, okay? So, so Philip, when we read it in, 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 in Acts 8, all he does in verse 10, verse 12, verse 16, verse 24, verse 40, it says that he's sharing the gospel. He's talking about Jesus. He's sharing the gut. You know, that's what his life's about. So, and it, it says he, he, he went on his way until he got to a town called Caesarea, and there he stayed. So from Acts 8 to Acts 21, just let you know, Philip has been where God led him to be, and he stayed there and been still faith, faithful to teach the word. Now, in Acts 8... Was, was Paul a strong leader in the church? I know I'm th- throwing some past back here, but, but, but Paul didn't, didn't come to Christ until Acts 9. In Acts 8, he was attacking the church. He was killing the church. He was decimating the church. And what's cool there is Philip would, would have been aware of that in Acts 8, of, of who Saul, Paul was. And we see just, I want you to know there's hope in this, Sometimes in life, you're going to go in life and you will have someone in a lot of ways who is your mortal enemy. You will not get along. Y'all butt heads. You can't stand to be around them. Because see, 
Philip was going all out for Christ, Paul is going all out against Christ in Acts 8. In Acts 21, we, we see what? All of a sudden, these two that, 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 that were all the way against each other, all of a sudden, they share their house, and they stay in the same, same house. My point is, you never know what God can do in those relationships where you've got to fight for them. Even if you go, man, they don't care about God. They, they're against him. What if you just fight for them and see what God does? What if you love them, even if they're your enemy, uh, you love them and, 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 and see what God does? It's just sort of a, a cool part of the, the uh, sto- sto- story there. Now, we get here to Acts chapter 21, verse 10. I'm going to ask you, we're going to read through our main text tonight, and if you, you'll all stand in honor of, word, of God's holy word. We stand uh, because we recognize uh, who, who, who God is and who, what his, God's word is, and that it is true uh, and, and faithful for us. So Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 10, it says, while, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask that you'll just prepare just all of our hearts just to respond to your word. Uh, Lord, that I may be clear in explaining your word and correct in explaining your word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody sit down. Now, we see here something weird has just gone on. A prophet named Agabus. I, I would love if one of you, one day when you get married, your firstborn son, you name him Agabus after the Acts 21 prophet of God. Now, now we, we, we first hear about him in Acts 11, and this is the small snip, snippet. It says that now in these days, prophets came down from Jeru, Jerusalem to Antioch, uh, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. So this is the only other sighting or anything we have of this dude, Agabus. Okay, so all of a sudden he appears again in, 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 in Acts 21. Now, I love this guy. I am like totally enthralled right now in the book of Acts because of this weird stuff we've been going through. Because I think there's some great truth and some things that you can learn about how God works in this. Now, he speaks and acts like an Old Testament pro- 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 prophet. Now, what I mean by, by, by that is he acts crazy, like, like a nutcase doesn't bathe. He eats the bugs that crawls on his, 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 his body. He does weird things, says weirder things, 
and God uses them in mighty ways. Now, we don't see a whole lot of guys like this, but all of a sudden, he appears out of the blue. Now, he's an, I say that he's like an Old Testament prophet also by the way that he talks and the way that he prophesies here. Now, in 1 Kings 11, Ahiah, and that, 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 that name, uh, uh, the, the, the prophet takes Jer- Jeroboam's gar- gar- garment, tears it into 12 piece- pieces, gives him 10 back, and says, I'm about to tear the kingdom of God out of Sol- 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 Solomon's hands, and I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to give 10 tribes to you. See, they do a symbolic act to convey a, to convey a divine truth that's going to occur. So that's one, one of the guys. One more, I love this guy. Who's heard of the book of Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel? Okay, this is what he does. He takes his, um, his bar, barley cakes, his bread cakes, and he heats them up over burning cow manure and does this for a very long time. And he does, isn't this great stuff? He does this to tell the Israelites that they're about to be exiled from their homeland. They'd be forced to eat unclean food. That's pretty crazy, right? Now, Isaiah, the prophet who wrote the book of, back here, Isaiah, the prophet wrote the book of, Isaiah, very, y'all are brilliant, four of you are. Um, This is what he does in, 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 in chapter 20 of his book. He strips off all of his clothes and walks around neck, 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 naked for three years. <laughs> I, I hope the Lord never calls me to do that. <laughs> says this, Then the Lord said, As my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years. I want you to hear this because I, I didn't know this word was in the Bible, but it is. And I can say it. It's okay. Um, he walked naked and barefoot for three years as a sign and portent against Egypt and Cush. So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian captives and the Cushite exiles, both the young and the old, naked and barefoot with buttocks uncovered. It's there, man. It's there. It's beautiful. So do you get my drift? The, the, the Old Testament prophets would go to whatever extreme God called them to do to speak God's truth and to get the people's attention. Why did they do it? Shocking them to get their attention. 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 Now, um, Deuteronomy 18.20, and every Jew knew this, this law, this rule said this, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. In a, an, another part of the word of God, it, it says if, if a, 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 a prophet speaks some, some, something that they say is a truth that will, will come true and it does not come true, they should be stoned to death. Okay, so prophet, that it wasn't like, a, oh, I want to be a prophet because you wouldn't last long, man. Bam, you're out. So, um, so that, that's who this, this guy is. Um, 
And I want you to see, he doesn't give an if-then if statement here to Paul. It's not a, hey, if you do this, this will occur. Then this will occur. It's not conditional. It's a, it's a fact. It's a statement of fact. And it's straight up. He takes his belt f- from, from Paul. And he binds his own hands and feet with the belt. And then he says, let me get the, the words right. Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So he just says a factual truth. And, and what the, the first point is that he just gives a pointed prophecy. It is not, hey, this might occur to one of the guys in this room. It's, it's the guy who owns this belt. This is who this is going to occur to. Now, they've heard prophecies and truths spoken to them that aren't great before. Apostles have, disciples have. Jesus said to the twelve as he was going to send them out, he says this in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That is not really, have you ever seen a fight between a sheep and a wolf? There is no fight. It's called dinner. Okay, there's no fight. There's just a sheep is just walks up to the wolf and licks its nose, and the wolf bites its head off. That's the fight. That that says you know sheep. Did they gum a wolf a little bit? I don't think it, it it would go well. The good news is this: know that Jesus and the Word of God calls us sheep all the time, and many times it talks about us being sent out in 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 the midst of wolves. Man, that's what Paul just told him in Acts 20. He said, wolves are about to come in and tear you up. Be ready for them. It also says in Matthew 10, 22, it says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. If you wear the name of Christ and you wear it out loud, people are going to hate you. And I hate to say it like that. You know, you'll, do I really want to be a part of this? Matthew 5, 11 says this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Revile isn't like love you. That means hate, detest. They, they detest you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Blessed are you. These are just some, 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 some sort of truths that are out there. You know, and I think we actually experience pointed prophecies of God all the time. You see, the, the, God says that when you put your faith in, when, when you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ, God places his Holy Spirit in you. His Spirit resides in you. And that Spirit, it convicts you, it guides you, it compels you, it constrains you. That means it holds you back when times you're like, I don't want to go there. Lord, give me the strength to fight against this temptation. That spirit is at work in you, and that spirit is giving us pointed prophecies all the time. The way we learn more about those pointed prophecies are is um, there's three dis- distinct, distinct, dis- distinct ways that, that we get pointed prophecies like Paul gets. First is, is, is this, re- reading God, God, God's Word. Being in God's word, knowing God's word. God will speak to you when you get in his word and you're serious about it. God will also speak to you through the preaching and teaching of his word. 
when you come to the edge, when you go to church, when you go to small, small group, God is wanting to point you in ways you need to go. He's also going to do it through friends who pour into you God's word. And some of you in this room uh, need friends to pour into you the truth of what God says. And some of you need to be the ones that are pouring in to those around you and not be afraid to speak up. I've, I've learned in my life that um, if I couldn't tell my friend uh, a truth that was sort of hard, we really weren't that good, really good, good friends to begin, begin with. The friends that uh, I love and who, who love me, I, can, I could tell something that in some ways could be insulting to them, but they know I'm coming at as a friend and I love them and I'm trying to do it in a loving way. That's, what, that, that's how we, we, we have these pointed prophecies in our life. You know, the prophecies more, it's just when, when you see someone without a friend and you become a friend to them, you're compelled to do it. When you see someone in need and you give, when you see someone who needs help, and you serve them. When you see see someone that needs to hear truth, and you speak it, th- those those are the pointed prophecies. Uh, you may say to yourself, "Wait, wait, wait!" You know, all the stuff you're saying, a lot of that's hard to do because you can get bit, you can get laughed at, you can get mocked, you can get torn up. And and the truth is, Paul didn't do wasn't doing anything wrong. Do we understand that this isn't a result of his sin? He didn't break a rock with a, with a rod and do something else, do something against God. He was following God. He was a man. Now, he had probably sinned within his life. He was, he was a man, but this wasn't a result of his sin. This was a result of God's glory. So sometimes we say, man, I didn't sign up for, for this, you know, about church and, 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 and youth group and all that stuff. My question would be, what did you sign up for? Because if you sign up for this life that, man, if I follow God, everything is going to be great and easy and fun and nice and no pain, that's not real. That's not real in this world that we live in. God cares about you. God cares about your well-being. But you know what? He cares a little bit more about your well-being. He cares even more about other people knowing about him and experiencing the grace and the peace that you receive from him. He cares, but... He also calls us to, to reach out. Very pointed prophecy there. And then in verse 12, we see an interesting thing occur. And this is what it says, when we heard this, and when we heard this, so Luke is including himself in this statement, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. They knew that Agabus was a prophet of God who only spoke the truth and what was going to occur. And his friends hear this and they're like, oh, Paul, you can't go there, bro. They're going to hurt you. It's going to be bad. You got to stay here with us. And we see, first of all, a pointed prophecy, but then we see a panic people. And a lot of times we get that way. When something we think we're supposed to go this way and all of a sudden God steers someone or us that way and we're like, whoa, 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 no, that's, that, that, that could be painful. This could not go well for me. And they they panic and they freak out. And a lot of times, those that will panic and freak out are those that are in the church. If you notice that, these are, this is Luke who freaks out. This is Philip, the evangelist, who, who, who panics 
Why do they panic? Because they're against God? No. They panic because they, they care about Paul. They still want what's best for Paul. But we tend to, to panic like that. You know, I, um, I went to uh, Palm Beach Atlantic Cal- College. This is many years ago. It's where I met my wife. And about six months before I went to school there, I had struggled for two years that God was calling me to be a youth pastor for a church. But for two years, I told God, there's no way I can't do that. I, I can't talk right. I, don't freak out. I stutter. Don't freak out. Some of you are like, get out of here, really? And, and so I, um, I, I fought him for two years because I was like, no way. This is, not, this is a mistake. Uh, God, you can't use me in that way. I, I can't talk. I don't like crowds. I don't like pe- people. I don't mean like talk to a small group of people, let alone a large, large group. And one day I was in Exodus chapter 4, and it talks about Moses when God called him to free the Israelites from Egypt. And he says, I want you to go down there. I want you to speak on behalf of me. And in Exodus 4, I think it's verse 10, Moses says, God, I can't do it. And God says, who made man, who made him deaf, dumb, or blind? Am I not the Lord? And Moses at that point still went, but God, I can't do it. And it says that Moses' anger burned against him. And, it, and when I read that, I thought, dear Lord, this, this world is way too mean for me um, uh, to have God against me too. Uh, and at that point, I said, okay, God, if I'm, I'm, I think you're nuts, but I will do whatever you want me to do. So anyway, so I went there. Uh, to school, and I'd only been there for maybe three months or four months, and a pastor who was a really nice mentor-type t- friend, I met with him, and he said, so what's going on? I was like, well, God's called me to work with youth, and I was doing some work at that church just to help with their youth, and this pastor who who I think still, I'm friends with this guy still today, but he says to me, he goes, hey, uh, uh, dude, that's awesome. Thanks for you know, you know sharing. But when are you going to do something about your the way that you talk? When are you going to do something so you can be more effective when you you speak to pe- 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 people? Now, it, it came out weird, but he was he was trying to say, "Hey, are you going to work on your 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 I guess your speech and be smoother in the way that you talk?" At that point, I'm thinking to myself, "Dear Lord, man, I've done this since I was five. Don't you think if I could?" fix it. I would have done it by at least age 13 because teenage years, it's not real cool to stutter on your name. You know what I'm saying? Hi, I'm John. You know, you're just going to change, change. You're just going to fix it. So, so I, you know, I thought to myself, man, um, you know, I, if I could have fixed it, I would have half, half fixed it because he, he, he looked and I was saying, this is what God has called me to do. And he's like, uh, dude, you're not wired to do it at all. He sort of panicked. Turned out to be a really good friend, and we worked through all that stuff. And the amazing thing is I've I've now spoken in front of groups for 23 or 4 years. And um, (laughs) stop it, stop it, stop it. Some of you are going, are you about to stop now? Is this over? Is this over? Um, But in a lot of ways, um, for some that I've I've spoken in front of, God's used the way that, that I talk to reach some folks that I'm not sure if they would have been reached by someone that was, was just, just fluent. And it wasn't because I'm that great, because I'm not. I'm an idiot. 
but God is that good that he, he can use. It says that God will use the weak things of, of this world to shame the wise. Uh, and, and I will be the first to say, I am weak all day long. And some, some of you go, man, we hear you week in and week out as you teach in the edge, and I hear what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just too weak to do it. I understand where you are. I live there. I live there. But the greatest times in my life have been when I, God said move, and I did. And I walked out on this limb that no one else was on, and it was cracking behind me. I could hear it cracking. I was starting to fall. Those have been by far the greatest times in my life. And sometimes we've just got to go on leave of faith. Do I believe that God is who he says he is? Yes. It may be a small step forward, but take a step forward. Bring up the name of Jesus with your friends. Just put it out there. When God says move, when you feel that nudge, that's God speaking to you about what he wants you to do. What an honor and privilege it is for us to be used by him. You know, so that's really way off of my notes. I don't know where I just went with that. Um, you, you know, more often than not, church people, because they care about you, can be the voices that try to keep you from following God. My, my gr- greatest hope for a lot of you in this group I want that by the time you go to to college, that somewhere between 17 and 20, I'd love for you to take a mission trip somewhere outside of the U.S. for more than three weeks. I'd love you to go for six weeks or seven weeks or eight weeks. I went for 12 weeks, and it changed my life. Crazy changed my life. Uh, And sometimes you may even want to do that, and mom and dad might be, oh, I don't know if that's really good for you. And I understand that. I'm a parent. You know, my wife's like, don't say that about our kids. Uh, you know, so, but sometimes we, we want to, even your parents will be trying to protect you. And God may be saying, hey, you need to go. You know, so it's just don't miss out when God speaks. And when someone con- con- conflicts with you, it's not always because they're bad. Partly it's just because they care and they may not even understand what is going on. So, uh. What's cool in the story is here in verse 13. We see a pointed prophecy. We see a, a panicked pe- people, but then we see a proper per- perspective. And this is the perspective we need to have. And this is, if I can leave you with something, this is what I want you to have. Then Paul an- 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 answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm not ready only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he, he would not be pers- persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. You see, Paul and the disciples, all these guys there, they knew that there was power in the name of Jesus Christ. They knew the story. Some had been around there in Acts 3 when, when this, 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 this lame man was, went to, went to, uh, to uh, Peter and John. Is that right? Peter and John went, went, went to pray the song. And so this guy says, hey, alms for the poor, some help here. And they said what? They said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up 
and, and walk. And he, and he jumped up and walked. And it wrecked the town for chapters in Acts. Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5. All based on this one changed life in the name of Jesus. They knew that story. Paul knew that story, that there was power in the name. He'd experienced it. He had shared the power. In Acts 4.10, Peter said to the Jewish court, unapologetically, he said, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man, this man is standing before you well. Name of Jesus, there's power in the name. It's worth living for. It's worth dying for. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it said, they're called to the the court, that same court, and they're, they're ordered, hey, do not speak in this name again. We, we spoke on this. I taught on this last fall. He said, do, do not speak in this name again, or we will. And this is what Peter says. He says, whether it's right in the sight of God to, to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, but we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Man. Paul, right here, knows it breaks his heart when they're freaking out because he loves them. He knows that they love him. He says, you're breaking my heart. He's weeping and breaking my heart. And he says, he says, for I'm not ready only to be imprisoned, but even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It's worth my everything that I have. And what is so beautiful in this story is look at the end. It says that in verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded. We ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. A proper perspective turns a panicked people into peaceful participants. That's a lot of peace. A lot of peace. A proper perspective turns a panicked people into peaceful participants. Because it says, not only do they say, let the will of the Lord be done, but verse 15, it says... After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. It doesn't say Paul got ready. It says we got ready. Okay, Paul, this is what God's saying. We're going with you. Dude, you, you know, you want, you want to have a squad that's got your back? Even when they know the prophet has just said, we're going to drag this guy, and he's going to be, you know, thrown to the Gentiles who are the the, the Romans who were going to kill him, and they're like, we're, we're going with you. The proper perspective. I, lo- I love that, that part, we, at the end. You know, and it's this Christian faith, this, this life we're called to live is so hard. It, it's hard. It's hard to... to to make a stand, but grab those uh, around you all that you can and press forward. When that limb look, looks looks small, just take it a step on, on, onto it. When, when God says, hey, reach out that way. Hey, speak that way. Hey, do that way. That spirit that is in you, the, the Holy Spirit, God put it there to guide you, to comfort you, to give you strength, to give you peace, to convict you. Man, listen to it. Have the proper perspective, whatever comes down the pike, because it's not always easy. 
And there's some great times, great times that I pray and I believe that God will bring into your life as you follow him. But there's also times that the world would say, ooh, that's not a great, great time at all. But it's not about you. It's about God. Man, I know that's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to live. But God has a plan, and he's worth it. But let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for every student and adult that's in this room tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you use your word to speak to us, to pointedly speak to each one of us in so many ways. And God, I just ask this, that you'll help us just to obey. Just that simple word, when you speak and when you nudge and when your spirit moves, Lord, help us to obey. Uh, And when we try to obey and some get in the way, Lord, may we have the proper perspective. May we love them and bring them with us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, don't forget, uh, Youth Camp Video Night next week. Small group starting this week. That's all we got.